0: Warning! This episode contains foul language and discussions of assault, murder, sick babies, and opinions you may disagree with.
1: for all things strange, sinister, creepy, questionable, mysterious, dark, bizarre, petty, and everything in between. Each week we sit down together from across the country and we talk about something weird. This week, we have another guest to add to our pretty awesome streak this season, and with said guest, we are covering one of my all-time favorite topics that speaks to my dark, tortured soul, true crime. True crime with a little bit of twisted morality. We're facing our conscience today and trying to answer the question, what are some of those crimes that make us sympathize with the criminal? Just a tiny bit. You don't want to admit it, but you're kind of rooting for the bad guy. Just a little bit. The brave vigilantes, the intelligent and impressively tricky con artist, tales of odd theft that make you laugh out loud. There are just so many situations that make us think, hmm, I think we can let this one slide, right? (laughs) You will either agree with us wholeheartedly. Or judge us harshly by the end of these chats, and we are mentally prepared for it all. Bring it on and question your morals right along with us today. My name is Lauren, and this is my beautiful co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. And joining us today is a fellow podcaster in the weird, true, crimey world, a guest we have wanted to collab with for quite some time. He is a hilarious host with a lovely podcast voice that fills your ear holes with magic. He is co-hosting the show Seriously Sinister, and it covers all kinds of true, petty crimes and other dreadful dilemmas. Please welcome Trevin!
2: What up, what up, weird people?
0: What up, weird people? <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs>
1: Welcome, welcome,
2: weird people in the house. Welcome to our
0: show, (laughs) Lauren. That was a really good opening. I, I mean, you always do a good job, but that was that was really great. There were several moments where I was like, "She's killing it." Nope, she's killing it. (laughs) She just she topped herself. She's killing it.
2: Yeah, it was like a guitar solo, but with words.
1: Yes, (sighs) that is one of the highest compliments I have ever received. Thank you. I am accepting those compliments. You guys are great. Welcome, Trevin. Well, so th- happy you're here.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So Trevin, host of Seriously Sinister podcast, mm-hmm. as we just mentioned, available wherever you get your podcasts. We are all internet friends, so we've actually yeah. never met in person. We know each other through the world of podcasting. We're in a group with a bunch of other podcasters that get to chat, which is like such a fun and weird thing that happens in the world of today. Like you, mm-hmm. have, you have your little cruise online, but I sort of love it.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I like it too.
1: It's fun. We all get to support each other.
0: Yeah, it's like a support pod group, but also, you know, when we're having a rough time and someone's like, hey, guys, sorry, I haven't been on. I'm having a rough time. I'm taking a break. Literally every single person is like, take that break <laughs> like yes. every single one of us knows what it's like to put out episodes every week of the year and how kind of exhausting that can get so it's nice you totally. know when when you talk to other people who like don't do that they they might not be able to sympathize with what you're going through as much right
2: yeah it truly is like yeah. a support group of more than just the support of a crowd or whatever it's mental support too
0: yeah for yes sure. Absolutely. It is something special. Trevin, tell us a little bit or tell our listeners. We know all about it. Tell our listeners (laughs) a little bit about Seriously Sinister.
2: So, Seriously Sinister is a true petty crime podcast. We specialize (laughs) in taking, let's see, hilarious kind of dumb criminal stories, except with most true crime comedy, you usually have people trying to lighten the mood around heavy subjects, like murder or kidnapping or whatever, but instead we're taking silly, dumb criminal stories and we're actually trying to make them sound serious.
1: So. <laughs> it's such a good twist. It really yeah. is.
0: It is a lot of fun to listen to.
2: <laughs> so along with that, we like to do uh, sound effects and original music behind each one. It's sort of a mix between uh, Let's Not Meet and you know, uh, Radio Rental or something like that with the sound effects yeah. and whatnot.
1: Yeah, you guys, that's what I was about to say is like, I love the sound effects that you add and just your sound quality in general. Like, that's why I had to shout out, like, you have such a great voice to listen to, but also, you know, so does your co-host and just the audio in general while you're listening is so crystal clear. It's you get the music, you a get the voices. well-produced show. <laughs> yes, oh, it's so good.
2: I thank you so much. And I you know, it's so funny... I didn't know until joining the podcast world that it really is a good compliment to hear or to say, oh, you have a great speaking voice. Because I, I actually was just in the world of music before I did this, and I went to school for audio. Wow. And I was a singer-songwriter, which I guess I still am, but I haven't done it in so long, that I had I had talked to people, and they would say, oh, you have a beautiful singing voice, but that talking voice, ee. And so, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that really hurts to hear. And so then when I jumped okay, into ouch, podcasting... That was painful. <laughs> Yeah, I was a little nervous about talking.
0: (laughs) I mean, I was the kind of person who like literally didn't, I wouldn't even leave a voicemail because I hated the sound of my own voice. Like my voicemail was like that automated, like you have reached 618. Like I (laughs) hated my own voice. So when Lauren was like, we should start a podcast. I was like, okay, you are crazy. There's no way no one's going to want to listen to this. And now I'm just like, you know what? Like it or leave it. No one's complained about it so far. So I'm just going to. People have complimented (laughs) your voice.
1: Yes, people have actually complimented your voice. So own it.
0: Take ownership. It's owned.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of growth in hearing your voice over and over again, day in and day out now.
0: Truly, there is. And I'm sure it's the same for, you know, I used to be an actor and I used to do a lot of little movies and a couple of like television spots i did a music video and (laughs) (laughs) i figure it's the same with them too because i can't stand to watch myself i i don't like to see myself in a even like a quick little like happy birthday video to someone like i hate seeing myself so i i bet it's the same thing it's just sort of like saturating yourself with the images of your own face and eventually you're (laughs) like yeah it's my face and it does what it does (laughs) (laughs) i just accept it Uh. all right so often on this show we cover crimes committed by people that we will never understand we sit here and we detail their atrocities and we ask ourselves how how could they do this why why would they do this but today we're documenting crimes that make us say okay but i get it though (laughs) like i get it (laughs) listen we've all been there (laughs) uh my criminal i'm gonna start us off today my criminal may be a little bit more famous thanks to a recent Netflix show, which I highly recommend called oh, Clark, yes. starring Bill Skarsgård. Um, today, I'm actually going to be talking about Clark Olafson. Have you guys? I know so Lauren, you've heard of him because you've seen the show. Trevin, have you yes. heard of Clark?
2: I have not, and I have, don't even think I've heard of the show. What's it on?
0: It's on Netflix, Netflix and it's a Netflix original, but it's in, uh, oh. it's in, it's Swedish and Bill gets to use his, you know, he, he speaks Swedish, Swedish? That's a language, right? At first I was like, do, <laughs> yes. Swedes, do Swedes speak something? <laughs> I know. It made me question Like Mandarin? It.
1: You would, would you say
0: Swedish? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And we're going to go with it. He it's speaks really Swedish nothings. Do we do sweet sw- whisper sweet nothings into my ear? Oh, uh, Trevin. <laughs> that's why you're here. Trevin, oh, yeah. That's why we, that's why we invited you. Huh. So even though Clark Olafson has received sentences for attempted murder, assault, robbery, and even dealing narcotics... Even though he has spent half his life in prison in Sweden, and even though he literally is the reason that we have the term Stockholm Syndrome Crazy. today, oh. <laughs> he is a pretty likable guy. And Sweden's first and one of the only celebrity gangsters. Like he was on the cover of magazines as a criminal, and not in a like look at this criminal kind of way, in a oh my God, what do you think he's really like kind of way.
1: We want to get to know him. He's so cute. We want to
0: get to know him. He's so mysterious. So, Clark was born on February 1st, 1947 in Trollhattan, Sweden, which sounds like a Pixar version of Manhattan where New York City is filled with (laughs) mystical creatures. But anyway... He was born into a pretty fucked up life, actually. He had two younger sisters. His parents were very poor, and they were alcoholics, and they were also pretty physically abusive towards one another. And when Clark was 11, his father left, and soon after that, his mother was put into a psychiatric hospital, and the three children ended up in foster care. So, this is where Clark's adventures in crime began. Already, this young, young boy... By 14, he was fed up with foster life, so he forged some documents along with his mother's signature on some paperwork for sailor's school. So at 14, he was sailing around the world on a ship with basically grown men. And at, some at 14. Point, yeah, oh he was only 14, and he was like, Well, this is my life now. I'm a working man on <laughs> a ship. <laughs> At some point in his 15th year, he moved back home with his mom after she got out of the hospital and was able to also get his sisters back home with them as well. But by the time he was 16, he was placed in a behavioral institution for young offenders because he had committed several petty crimes, mostly stealing and breaking and entering and a little bit of Grand Theft Auto. But in 1965, Clark and two other boys escaped from the institution and basically lived life on the run. They were on the lamb, as they say. As, as the kids say. The kids do not say that. Just kidding. The kids <laughs> the <youths>. have never. <laughs> the kids have, kids never, have never said, said on that the once. lamb. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite things he ever did. In August of that year, the Clark and his two friends broke into the country home of the Swedish Prime Minister.
1: <laughs> oh my God! In the no. middle of
0: the night, they broke into his home and they <laughs> stole grapes cucumbers and tomatoes from his greenhouse and actually the gardener caught them and chased them off with a gun but they they got away with it with some fruits and veggies in their pockets which honestly
1: i'm like congrats
0: congrats that had to have been of all the the country homes to break into they were like that one i don't even know to be honest i haven't read his memoir i don't even know if they knew it was the swedish prime minister's house part of me thinks like they had to have and then the other part of me is like maybe it was a coincidence
2: That's what I was going to say. It's not really something that somebody who's trying to lay low would want to do.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So was it totally by chance?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh. Which is hilarious.
0: Honestly, either way, one of my favorite stories. So Yeah. Love it. Three months later, Olafson assaulted two police officers and in February of nineteen sixty six he was sentenced to three years in prison. This was his third sentence already, and his first real prison sentence given at this point. Um and he was nineteen.
1: <laughs> and wow.
0: technically an adult because, you know, he could actually go to prison for uh messing around. Yeah. Messing around. That's what I'm gonna say from now. Mess this rascal. <laughs> He is a rascal.
1: He's He's just fooling around out there.
0: Later that year, he made his first prison escape. It was also the year he became a nationally known, I wouldn't say worldwide, but definitely nationally known criminal. Because in July of 1966, Clark Olofsson was robbing a bicycle shop with a man named Gunnar Nogren. Two police officers who responded to suspicious activity at the shop attempted to stop the burglary, and one of them was shot and killed by Gunnar, and the two fled. But obviously, their pictures then were everywhere, and everyone was looking for them at that point because they killed a cop.
1: Yeah. Like, people are going to be out for you.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. You can't get away from that. So the next month— Yeah. Gunner was arrested in an apartment and confessed to the murder. The apartment ended up belonging to a boyfriend of Olafson's sister. And the police found out later that Olofsson was actually in the apartment when they got there and arrested <laughs> Gunner. Uh, but they didn't That's catch funny. him. <laughs> and he managed to elude them for two weeks before police officers caught up to him. And two of them in disguise tried to arrest him and Olafson pulled a pistol out of his waistband and fired two shots at the officers one of which was hit in the shoulder but both of them were fine they both lived but right. again you shot a cop so Olafson was sentenced to 10 years in prison for attempted murder
2: Okay so how many sentences do you get before it's a paragraph
0: <laughs> Right <laughs> <laughs> How many sentences gosh. in a paragraph? At least six. I would say six.
2: Well, he's probably right <laughs> yeah. on the way.
0: <laughs> Unless you're Cormac McCarthy, and then it's two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, he's so, well on his way. Three years later, in February of 1969, Olafson escaped from prison and fled to the Canary Islands, where he decided to fly on to Frankfurt to meet up with a girl, <laughs> which was a mistake. But what are you going to do? <laughs> Uh, And he was arrested by the German police because he tried to enter West Germany on a fake passport. So he was escorted back to Sweden and back to prison. But two months before he was set to be officially released from prison, he escaped again. Like at that point, why? At that point, you're just doing it to do it. You were going to be out in two months
1: right like you're that close you just wanted the thrill you wanted to show wanted the off
0: he was free for a couple months and then he ended up being arrested in a hotel he was staying at after a cleaning lady reported seeing him there again he's getting a little bit more famous at the time of his arrest he had been on the run for seven months and had rob a, robbed a bank in Gothenburg <laughs> so in May of <laughs> 1973 once he was caught, he was sentenced to six years in prison and put right back in. Now, this is where he becomes mega famous. Like, if you hadn't heard of, of him at this point, you soon would, including people in the United States, uh, started to know the name Clark Olafson, Because the same year he was a re- uh, sentenced to his, I don't even know how many sentences this is, his fourth time being sentenced to something, third time in prison. <laughs> he was hanging out. He's in prison. Another bank robber and friend of his named John Eric Olson, not Olofsson, Olson. And that might get confusing okay. here for a second. And I apologize, but the Swedes only have like five letters that they use.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're all sounding they similar. Repeat. They're
1: blending together.
0: <laughs> so um, uh, Olson, Eric John Eric Olson, he ended up taking several hostages at a bank in Stockholm, and during negotiations with the police, he demanded that Clark Olson be allowed to leave prison and come to the bank. He asked for about $710,000, a getaway car, and his friend Clark, (laughs) and the police... (laughs) The police kind of felt like they had no choice. There were people's lives on the line. So they went and got son from prison and let him go to the bank where he spent the next six days with the hostages. And obviously, you know, this was all over the news. Everyone was speculating as to what was happening inside. And there was a ton of questions as to whether or not, you know, would they escape? um, Would the hostages survive, et cetera, et cetera. And to this day, no one can really say what happened inside over those six days. But what ended up happening to them is that on the sixth day, police used tear gas and dropped it into a vault they were hiding in and got Olson to surrender. And none of the hostages suffered any injuries. So that's great. The police believe that during this time Olsen and Olofsson were attempting to formulate a plan to take two hostages and escape, the both of them, Olaf's son ended up being sentenced to an extended prison term for the event, which kind of seems unfair, seeing as he didn't even ask to be a part of it. And he also didn't have a choice. Like, the police were like, you're coming with us. And they brought him there. They weren't like, will you please help us with this? <laughs> like, right. he didn't have a choice. <laughs> like, here you go. You're being dropped off
1: here.
2: Yeah, that's unfair.
0: It does yeah. seem a little unfair. And I know he's a criminal, but I don't know. It just it Still, didn't seem fair. but. Yeah. Olafson claims that he didn't do anything illegal, and he was just trying to keep Olson calm and make sure that none of the hostages were hurt or killed, which he did successfully. Mm-hmm. Now the crazy part of this story not that it hasn't all been crazy, but the crazy part of this story is that the hostages sided with the criminals. And not only did they ask the police not to harm Olafson and Olson during the six-day hostage situation, they also refused to testify against them at the trial
1: <laughs> Oh my gosh, oh, wow. that is wild.:
0: Isn't that crazy? And Olafson went on to meet one of the hostages several times throughout his life, and their families became close friends. Okay, well,
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> I didn't realize we were already okay, into Stockholm the Stockholm Syndrome, Syndrome part. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> well, that yeah, makes a that lot is
0: actually down. where the term Stockholm Syndrome was created. And a Stockholm Syndrome, for anyone who doesn't know, is essentially when the victims of a kidnapping or a hostage situation actually feel empathy for their captor and sometimes even contempt for the authorities. Mm-hmm. And I think what the show on netflix did really well when they were covering this part of clark's life the 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 actual six days inside um this bank with these hostages is that the police were seemingly like they weren't but seemingly putting these hostages lives in more danger than the robbers were Mm -hmm. like because the robbers are saying you know i don't want to hurt you like we're not trying to hurt you we're just trying to rob this bank and the police are doing things that are making them act erratically and that's scary to them but instead of being scared of the guys with the the robbers with guns they're actually more afraid of the police because the police are what's making them behave that way
2: yeah that makes total sense does that make sense more at risk yeah
0: So um, it actually kind of, like, once I watched that, I was like, oh, I totally get it. I think I would have been on the same same page.
1: (laughs) Totally. You can see why it's like, okay, you're actually trying to keep me safe. Like, you have a goal of robbing this bank, getting your money, Mm -hmm. whatever, but, like, you never came in to hurt us. You're just using us as a negotiation tactic, whereas, yeah, the police are like, oh, your life is (laughs) – Not that important to me. I'm going to make sure that these criminals do X, Y, and Z. That could potentially hurt you. And
0: it's like, oh, all right. I sort of understand this now.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There was no trust.
0: So Olofsson was actually able to appeal his extended prison time and was later acquitted and then only served the remainder of his prior sentence that he was already serving time for. But then he escaped. (laughs) (laughs) Just constant escape. On March 20th, 1975, he escaped from prison and he went into a bank in Copenhagen with a gun in each hand, fired a warning shot, and robbed that bank. A month after the escape, we know he was on the French Riviera. He He stole a sailboat with a friend. And they just sort of sailed from shore to shore for like months, drinking and dating and having a great time, probably committing some petty crimes, maybe <laughs> some <laughs> felonies, but <laughs> genuinely enjoying themselves. So good for them. Um, but at at some point, they ended up in Denmark, and the Danish police caught them. And now I will say the same line I've said at least ten times now: Olafson escaped, and <laughs> he's a
2: slippery devil.
0: <laughs> he is slippery and it wasn't until january of the next year in 1976 that he was found again german police managed to catch up with him and trap him but he shot himself free as in like he shot at the police and the police ducked and he ran off mm. and got away and it was during this run of his that he robbed handelspanken in Gothenburg of just under a million dollars cash and happened to be the largest robbery in Swedish criminal history. Whoa. He took two people hostage and was arrested in a hotel nine hours after the robbery. 230000 was recovered at his arrest, but the rest of the money, to this day, has never been found. Oh, wow. Dang. He was sentenced to eight years in prison this time, but three weeks after the verdict in July of 1976, he escaped! guys! How? He escaped again. How, he escaped again. Why when? How <laughs> is this talent. man not in like solitary confinement? I can't believe this. And in this case, he and several other prisoners drove a truck through three prison gates and just kind of bounced and he was caught later right (laughs) yeah that was one of his more uh, loud escapes I would say (laughs) as opposed to slipping out the back everyone kind of knew it but he was caught later that month and arrested and returned to prison again and it was during this prison sentence that he got married Uh, he married a 19 year old that he had met on the run right before his attempted arrest in Germany he also graduated with a degree in journalism because Swedish prison is a lot different than american prisons apparently Olafson was officially released in 1983 and went to live a quiet life in the country with his wife just kidding in november of 1984 <laughs> this i'm just going to like run through because this was like oh my god get it together In 1984, he was arrested in Port City in Belgium on suspicion of smuggling amphetamines into Sweden. And even though they never found drugs on him, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for complicity in an aggravated felony drug offense. He served his sentence, no escapes or escape attempts at this time. In 1991, he was released. He changed his name. But his crimes did not stop there. He was arrested again outside of a bank because the police thought he was preparing for another robbery. He got arrested for drunk driving. Don't drink and drive. He was arrested uh, again for drug smuggling. Um, he got another prison sentence of 14 years for that. And he didn't get released until 2005, but he did go back to jail because he was arrested again in 2008 along with three other people after the police had him under surveillance for eight months uh, because, again, he was suspected of being the head of a large drug operation. He was sentenced to another 14 years in prison, nine for his drug dealing, and five for essentially violating his parole. And all we know about him now today is that in 2018, the court made a decision to release Olafson, and he was let out into Sweden as a free man. Goodness and gracious. I, I
2: wasn't doing the math or when this started. So how old is this guy? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right now, he's 75.
2: Okay. Ooh. I've that been like waiting for you to say, and then he died, and he just kept going into and the present. <laughs> yeah, that is so
0: true. and then he you died, but his ghost robbed be- a bank. <laughs> no, he's he's free. He lives in Sweden. Well, we think. I I don't I don't know how close. Uh, well, I'm sure they're keeping very close tabs on him, but I'm just saying, like they're not releasing information. So until he you know commits another crime or I don't know pops up in a documentary or something, I we. Aren't going to know much about him. And here's the thing do I think this guy is a good guy? No. But what I do think is that he's a really, really good criminal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> At some point, I feel like we just got to shake our heads and go, ah, it's Clark. Oh, it's you know what I mean? It's just Clark. <laughs> Listen, he's just going to crime his way through life. He's a professional. And this is who he is. It's been his life and his lifestyle since he was 14. Like do we expect him to start working at Starbucks and making an honest living at 75? No, no. way. No. You no. get
1: to that age and you're set in your ways and you're just going to do what you do. Like he is the LeBron of crime and like we should just <laughs> yeah. let him live. <laughs> live we out just that let reputation. Him do
0: what he's good at. <laughs> yeah, he which could is take, crime. I totally hear He you. could
2: take that show to Vegas, really.
0: He really could. Honestly, yes. Like an escape artist. Yep. And the thing is, is like, just let this old fart crime his way around until he dies. He's never killed anyone. And on top of that, employees of the prisons he frequented never had a bad thing to say about him. His hostages never had a bad thing to say about him. To me, I think Clark Olafson is a better guy than, say, like the leaders of Enron who ruined the lives of like 20,000 people.
1: See, that's that's where it gets complicated, where you know. it's like, okay, you don't seem like that bad of a guy. You're not violent. Well, I mean, to an extent, obviously, there were some yeah, gunshots, but yeah, you, you haven't... We'll shoot at you, you if you're
0: trying to capture Yes, him. but
1: never murdered anyone, yeah, like you said, and just... It is crazy to me that the hostages also enjoyed him so much and that he was like buddy buddy with some officers within the prison. Like, this guy is charming. He's a good time. And boy, is he good at committing crimes. He's it's really just good at impressive.
2: Crime. Yeah. A, a repeat <laughs> offender of that level to repeat that many times, you know, generally aren't that charming or likable.
0: Yeah. Right. Generally, they're pretty much the only way you can describe them is scumbags. You know what I mean? Uh, But he seems pretty nice. You know who he kind of reminds me of? It's like an R-rated Frank Abagnale Jr., (laughs) (laughs) who the Mm -hmm. movie Catch Me If You Can is based off of.
2: Yeah.
1: I was thinking that this entire time. He's like like an upgraded con artist, like a little bit more of a violent (laughs) con artist.
2: Yeah, he plays a little more loose.
0: Yeah and he's not committing, you know, fraud. He's he's which is a little bit more honorable in my opinion. He's going to the True. bank and he's taking all the money from the bank which is insured and he's not hurting anyone. <laughs> we are supporting him. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm a funny. fan. I can't help <sighs> it. And I guarantee if the Swedish government, you know, thinking of Frank Abagnale, like if the If the Swedish government were to instead of like keep just keep locking him up, which is obviously he's not being rehabilitated, even though Mm -hmm. Swedish prison is like really nice. Like if you're going to go to prison, you'll want to go to Swedish prison. It's like being in a dorm. But he's not being rehabilitated. So what they should do is like. Use him, like they could learn a lot from him, I think, about weaknesses and prison systems, about bank security. I feel like they could actually use him and learn from him, or even like a hostage negotiator. I don't know. I just feel yes, like instead of locking him up and like letting him serve these sentences, like offer him a job right.
1: I feel like hostage negotiation
2: like put yeah. a tracker in him and then be like, Oh, you think your jail's so good let's uh let's put this guy in here and see how long he lasts."
0: you know yeah. what i never thought of that we could totally put a tracker in this guy thousand percent. i just want to watch his learn. movements like like the sharks that we have trackers on oh my mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking yes. about in the ocean i was just I was watching, watching that a, tiktok last night that on we're tracking the... sharks oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i want to put a tracker on clark olofsson and just see what he's up to yes and then you see what his
1: methods are and we can learn from that but man the hostage negotiation also like that was such a good point that you made is i think he would be so good in those situations to be like this is how you have to talk to him this is how you have to deal with this let me Mm -hmm. let me hop in the mind of that criminal for a second i i'm actually so shocked they are not using him for more but i know what can you do
2: yeah he's got like an extra gene to him or something
0: i know yeah he's just got that sparkle (laughs) <laughs> and sparkle. some people have the sparkle for painting and some people have a sparkle for <laughs> cooking and he has a sparkle for crime and I just don't think we should dim his sparkle.
2: Yeah, shine That's on right, Clark. Actually.
0: <laughs> sparkle. <laughs> shine shine on, on, buddy. All right, Trevin, uh, let's pass it over to you. Who'd you bring to us today?
2: So I've got a special lady by the name of The
0: Lady. Oh, I don't oh, yeah. like it. Hell yeah.
2: A, a lady by the name of Ezra a
0: Okay.
1: We're here for it. I believe We it's, trust- I believe it's
2: Augrew and not a long O.
1: Well- Instead of O-grew, O-grew. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to trust you.
2: Okay. So in the 1970s, at the age of two years old, Ezra moved to Australia from Adana, Turkey. She got her PhD in biochemistry from Monash University and graduated with honors. So she's mm-hmm. a very smart lady. Okay. She was hired in 2001 as the Vice President of Research and Development at the Australian company Phosphagenics. Phosphagenics is a company that it develops better drug delivery technology to improve how people take medicines. Uh, she was super good with the media. She was easy to talk to, really like kind of the face of what she was doing. She was quoted in saying that Phosphagenics was creating the elixir for anything from better absorption of vitamins to a novel way to treat pets with diabetes. So a lot of things really in covered between it all.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, everything, yeah. <laughs> everything seems pretty chill so far. I like yep. it. No red yep. flags.
2: She was in charge of managing research run from her old department at Monash University, led by her former supervisor, a man named Robert Gianello. Uh, so she realized that her old supervisor is working all this unpaid overtime doing this research for her company. And she thought, well, that's not really fair to you, man. So she said, why don't you set up some sort of a shell company and charge using that company, charge for your your OT. And then, you know, I will make sure that we pay your company for that extra amount of time that you should be getting for that overtime. Okay. Which, you know, looking out for your buddy there. Pretty nice. So it was originally just set up to get the OT, but while that was going on, she got a little greedy, and she started creating fake invoices for that company to do, and then paying it out. The company was called Binex, B-Y-N-E-X.
0: And Ezra started doing this, or her friend?
2: Ezra started doing it. Ezra did, okay. Her friend was just getting the OT, but she was pretty much the one that was paying it, so it was always... Coming from her control.
0: Right. Okay.
2: So she was paying his OT. Then she was like forging fake invoices saying, oh gosh, those guys are really, really doing the Lord's work over there. And so they, (laughs) she would just keep doing these invoices. So from 2004 to 2008, she had created 44 false invoices under the company Binex, landing them $1.1 (gasps) million.
1: Wowza. Whoa. Okay. So.
2: Okay. Ezra received around 510,000 and then Gianello received 580. I guess since it was in his name, she let him have more.
0: Well, that was nice.
2: But <laughs> the cravings, the cravings for more money was still there.
0: Oh, it's powerful. Ah, yes.
2: She you started using her credit card for personal items and then making her job pay the money back. So doing the whole credit card fraud thing. Right. With the money, she began funding a lavish lifestyle. She bought a fancy three-story home with a pool, jewelry, and I can only assume that she was never afraid to add bacon to a meal that didn't come with it.
0: (laughs) She always got avocado. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, avocado toast.
2: Between 2006 and 2013, she spent $400,000 on jewelry, $220,000 on clothing, $50,000 Ooh. Fifty thousand dollars on, and it says this duty free and department store purchases. <laughs> I have no idea what duty free is.
0: Duty free <laughs> isn't. Yeah, what? What the hell was she buying a duty free for that much yeah. money? I was about
1: to say I don't know how she spent that much money because duty free is just the store that has like all of your last minute things that you forgot that you're going in to buy before you get on the plane. It might have like some books and magazines also to. Help you out neck what is spending there? Yeah, okay, your neck what on pillows, earth some she meds, some travel toothpaste. What <laughs> that's insane! I yeah.
2: knew you world travelers would know what duty <laughs> free <is>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
1: always and, traveling around the world, <laughs>
2: and then uh, 400,000 really. household expenses.
0: Okay, mm. okay, dang.
2: So this lady knows how to spend, no kidding. Women be shopping, right?
0: Women, <laughs> be, women shopping. be shopping. <laughs> yes
2: so they were almost caught in 2008 by a new chief financial officer who realized that Binex was owned by the same guy that was doing their research Ooh. but uh another slippery devil ezra she walks in and uses her powers of persuasion and makes a little bit of a friendship with the chief and is like oh hey it's actually owned by his wife it's it's all just coincidental. Trust me, it's totally fine. Drop it. Hmm. Oh. And the chief person does. Okay. okay. So they came close to being caught, and they said, you know, maybe we should hang it up. Let's live some honest lives. You know, we already made $1.1 $1. 1 Yeah. Let's just go on. I mean, we still work for a really prestigious company. I was going to say, so they're probably taking
0: fine. home a decent paycheck anyway. Yes.
2: Yeah. But it all changed later that year when Ezra caught a case of the pregnancy.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the case of the, the worst disease. <laughs>
2: yes. So of course, when expecting a newborn baby, it is very helpful to have a lot of extra money on hand. Of course. Even if it is attained by illegal means.
0: Yeah.
1: Mhm. Mhm.
2: But the plot thickens as her baby was born with a fatal condition. No. Within 24 hours of being born, her baby, her daughter, began having jerking and twitching issues. Oh. By her third day, she began having seizures. And they found that the neurons in her brain were swelling and genetic tests found a gene mutation that had caused a breakdown in one of her metabolic pathways. Uh, So sad. She was diagnosed with, and I'm going to try to say this right, molybdenum cofactor deficiency. Okay. There's just a weird B hidden in the middle of that word, and I I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Of all the babies with this rare condition, not one had lived past a few months.
0: Oh, gosh. It's horrible. horrible. Jinx. Yeah.
2: So with the help help of a third helper, uh, that's redundant. (laughs) <laughs> With the help of a third guy, a guy <laughs> okay. named Wui Jiang Jing. Okay. So Ezra pulled together all of her resources, both monetarily and biotechnically, oh. to find a cure. Uh-oh. She funneled money from her new company she created, a company named TA Bridge. She facilitated further development of the drug through her company allowing her to also gain profit if it becomes a success. Whoops, got that greed again.
0: Mm, come on.
2: Yeah, the treatment ended up saving her child's life, well, although she still had severe brain damage. Oh, man. But not only that, the trials went on to save the lives of 12 other babies and oh. even progress medical research in that rare disorder.
0: Ugh. What a command! I don't know how to feel,
1: you know, because <laughs> that's yeah. a phenomenal. I guess that's the entire point of this episode. Yep.
2: So her success actually led her many promotions. Like there were so many times that she changed titles because she was just doing so damn good, yeah. and eventually she ended up being the chief executive of her company. Wow. Which I'm sure, like we said before, probably came with great paycheck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Making. But that to money. her
2: dismay, and all of her success they hired a new financial officer to do another audit and i guess this one just wasn't as much of a friend with her and she got caught Mm. so from 2004 to 2013 she frauded six million dollars out of the company in total out of that (laughs) four million went to ezra and the rest was split between her two partners Man, oh, man. So in court, Ezra tried to use a defense that she stole the money to save her child's life. Right. But then he was pretty good about being like, or the the judge was like, yeah, no way, because we have the money trail that you've been doing this for four years before you were ever even pregnant. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So she was trying some sort of a Breaking Bad defense, and it just didn't work for her. (laughs) Right.
1: Just didn't pan out. Yeah. I mean, worth a shot, but yeah, sorry, Ezra.
2: Yeah, I mean, you did good things, kind yes. of. So he's, he said, no, that's not going to fly. This is only because of greed. So she was sentenced to six years in prison. They all had to pay the money back. Oof. Robert Gianello was sentenced to four years in prison. Uh, Wee was sentenced to 2.5 years. But the funny thing about Ezra is she was sentenced to six years, but because of the hardships that would be imposed on her family especially her profoundly disabled daughter, her sentence was tempered, leaving her eligible for parole in only two years.
1: Oh. Oh.
2: The, and everything just drops off the face of the earth with this. Like, she, this happened in 15, and I can't find if if she's already out. Yeah, or, if she got which I guess out. Or if she, she would already be out if it was six years.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, so she's probably But everything released, is, but... like,
1: under the radar with her then?
2: Yeah, I think she's just doing her own thing now.
0: Right, I just right. feel... 'Cause here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> give her her job back. <laughs> like <Right? laughs> I feel like she was really good at her job if if only she wasn't filtering some money on the side. You know what I mean? Like she was yes. still getting promoted, yeah. she was still like saving people's lives. She's great with the media. Like I just feel like we could give her her job back and just like keep keep a close <laughs> eye on her.
1: She just has to have, like, a handcuff on her and a police officer at all times, and then she'll be totally fine. Um, I agree. Like, you truly, you brought such a perfect person for this episode, because I (laughs) am completely torn. Like, she did such amazing things and saved so many children, which is phenomenal. But, I mean, their rules are rules. So, at the same time, you're like, ooh, but, I, yeah. Can she just be in a jumpsuit with handcuffs on but still get the job done? I'm with Ashley. I feel like there has to be something.
0: Yeah, you don't even need the jumpsuit and the handcuffs. You just got to, you know, not let her open up any side companies where she can filter money through and like someone's got to keep an eye on her bank account and make sure she doesn't open up like a Swiss bank account or like an offshore, (laughs) you know, like Cayman Islands bank (laughs) account. And then, you know. We're good. <laughs> Let her do her thing. She's good at her job. She
2: is. Yeah, and she like bypassed all the corporate like oh hesitation and stuff, taking years to decide. Should we vote on it? Whatever. She just got in there and said, you know, we're gonna push this experimental drug. We're gonna make this work. And I mean, if they say a baby doesn't last more than three months, that means she had that cure in her hands within you know, probably two months.
1: Right. Yeah. That's what's
2: insane.
1: She was able to save her child and then all these other lives. Like she worked so, so quickly, which is amazing. Like she has the talent.
2: Yeah. I'm sure she even would say, even if she had to do the full sentence and lose all the money, she probably still said worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You saved the life of your child. Worth it. Yep. Man, she is. Big fan of Ezra. Yeah. She is something else.
2: Yeah, she's pretty cool. I
1: can't help but have so much respect for her. That's that's crazy cool.
2: And she probably knows how to party just because she she spent so much money.
0: <laughs> I was going to say like she was living large. She had a pool, she had yes. the housekeeping, she sh- did her grocery shopping at duty free, <laughs> duty like she <laughs> knew how to live.
1: Yeah, which also, if she was a duty free like travel world traveler, as we were talking about, like she was traveling, mm-hmm. she was probably hosting some pool parties. She was buying all the good stuff.
0: Like she was a good time. She is a good time. We know this. Oh yeah, getting preggers like she was. She was fucking <laughs> like we know she was having sex. Like I just Ezra confirmed is what we've learned about
1: yeah, this up. girl. Fucks. <laughs> this girl
0: fucks. Oh gosh. I have to tell you guys about a man named Richard Ankrum. Please do. He's my hero. So on August 5th, 2001, Richard and a group of friends assembled on the 4th Street Bridge over the 101 freeway in Los Angeles. What? what? Oh, LA. They had gathered to commit a crime <laughs> that Richard had been planning for years, an insidious crime, oh. one that would finally set him free of the problem he'd been bothered by for half his life. You see, 20 years to be exact, because 20 years before this heinous crime, he was driving north on the 110 freeway, and as he passed downtown LA, he was going to merge onto another freeway, Interstate 5 North. But he missed the exit and got lost. And years after that, he moved to the area. He wasn't from the area at the time, but he moved to that area years later, and was driving the same stretch of freeway where he'd gotten lost before and realized why he had missed that exit years before, the sign was not adequately marked. Oh. So, since he was an artist and a sign painter, he decided to make the I-5 North Shield himself and took it upon (laughs) himself to install it above the 110 freeway. Oh, my
2: God. Oh, that is awesome. That is
1: really cool. (laughs)
0: He started by studying L.A. freeway signs and holding up color swatches to match the paint color. He took all the measurements. He matched the paint. He dangled over these bridges to measure the exact dimensions of other signs uh, of the same nature. And uh, when it came time for the installation, he was totally prepared. He cut his hair, bought some work clothes that he'd dispose of right after in case he was spotted. Got himself a hard hat and an orange vest for safety. (laughs) Yeah, he was ready, okay? It's so good. So, in 2001, he got his ass on the catwalk under the sign 30 feet above the highway and installed this shield. And it took less than 30 minutes. And it took nine months for anyone to even notice. What? Oh, wow. Nine months? And the only reason they did is because one of his friends leaked it to the paper. Oh, stop. Like nine months later, one of the friends that helped him leaked it to the paper because they were like, How is no one even fucking noticed? They were like, We need some commotion. We need
1: some conversation. <laughs> Let's go, everybody.
0: Yeah.
2: What a dick.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think Richard Ankrum kind of wanted to, uh, to be noticed, too. He signed his name on the back of it. Uh. He wasn't, like, really trying to hide. I mean, he was doing it in secret because it was illegal. But, like, he wasn't trying to be like, uh, I, I, no one catch me. He signed his work. He signed his work. He's an artist. Yes. When the California Transit Authority found out about the sign, they didn't take it down. Oh, my God. They actually found that not only did it pass their inspection but it also made the highway safer and a lot less people were missing their exit.
1: Yes, it did. Let's go, Richard.
0: (laughs) I'm all about (laughs) it. And the sign. His particular shield that he installed himself remained up for eight years. The only reason it was taken down was for routine maintenance, and it was replaced with an actual sign made by the California Transit Authority. So the lesson here... (laughs) that a little bit of vandalism helped a whole hell of a lot of people <laughs> and still continues to to this day. <laughs> Gosh, that is so good. <laughs> what a dream. How many times have you been on a street and been like, wow, that sign should be marked clearer? Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: All the time. I feel like people around the country can relate to that, but specifically Los Angeles. There are so many freeways that when like the merge is coming up when Anytime there is, like, a big interchange, I guess is what you say, when, like, all of the freeways are going yeah. in different directions, there are so many times I wish that they were marked in better ways and things come up too fast, and Los Angeles is insanity already. We need better markings yeah. on our roads, so I am Team Richard, Richard through and through. I am obsessed with this. You did it, bud. He saved us all.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's one place in downtown LA Well, as you're going through, there are four different... Oh yeah, interstates you can get on, yep. and like the one that I always needed was one o the one o one, which is only the like middle lane. Yep, it's one little lane. If you're on the left, you're going one to interstate, right another interstate, and then there's one lane you can be in to be on the one o one, and it is just it's a mess. Yeah, 365 days a year. Yep.
1: So this is the Lord's work. Like I, <laughs> I fully support. <laughs> He's <him>. a
0: saint. <laughs> He's a saint. <laughs> I nominate him for sainthood. Yes,
2: me too. Saint Richard.
0: Saint Richard. Saint Richard. I love Saint that. Richard, the freeway saint. Oh, the freeway
1: saint, specifically the <laughs> LA freeway saint, which we know needs well, a saint. saint. freeway saint. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He
2: should get a government job. Like for the road department or whatever. I was
1: about to say. Right. I wish he was roads. working in like public safety in some way or just like city planning, any of it. I feel like we, that's where we well, need to. Well, he's an
0: artist. So I think yeah. he wants to, you know, continue to create art. He just happened to be able to make a sign so believable. He even, I'm not kidding, he put a layer of gray paint over the sign he made to make it look like it had been like faded by the sun
1: oh so it had a little like wear and tear look to it it was like oh this has been here this is an aged sign oh gosh that is genius (laughs) brilliant (laughs) big fan that's a good one
0: that's all the time we have this week for keep it weird sorry if i sound a little different it is 6 a.m before work because i am dedicated to this show Thank you so much for listening. Next week, Trevin is with us once again for even more crimes. Next week, we get a little bit darker as Lauren takes the reins to tell a story of revenge and redemption that makes us question our own morals and ideas of what is right and what is wrong. Make sure you check out Trevin's podcast, Seriously Sinister, especially when you want to scratch that true crime itch without walking away feeling crazy depressed. You can follow them on Instagram at Seriously Sinister Podcast and listen to their show wherever you listen to ours. Please consider donating to our Patreon. This is how we get paid to make our show and how we continue to produce episodes for you every week for free and without ads. You can donate $1, $5, or $10 a month to keep it weird. And in return, you'll get discounts on merch, a monthly newsletter, and two bonus episodes. Full length. Bonus full length episodes every single month. And it's a pretty sweet deal Honestly, and it would mean the world to us to keep this show going. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weird Cast, where we post about upcoming episodes, and we also do Tarot Tuesdays and Witchy Wednesdays, where we are learning tarot and witchcraft together. And last but not least, grab yourself some merch to wrap around and make people ask, "Hey, what's on your shirt?" And you can say, "Keep it weird." It's a great podcast to listen to. Check them out, and they'll say back, "Oh my god, I need a new podcast. I'm going to go subscribe right now." And that's how the world works, right? I don't know. I'm tired. Um. All right. As for a sign off today, uh, so we recorded this episode, um, this two parter. So both of these episodes before roe v wade was overturned otherwise we probably would have been a less fun (laughs) and b definitely would have uh talked about it and all i have to say um if you're still here listening is that this country is becoming a scarier and scarier place to be a woman to be a person of color to be an immigrant to be gay to be trans to be muslim or wiccan or buddhist to be anything other than a straight white man who a straight white christian man there you go um who's literally the most toxic and dangerous of them all and uh i just want to let you know that you aren't crazy for feeling the fear or anger that you are feeling no matter how much you will be told you are overreacting or it's not that big of a deal it's a huge deal, um, and we're absolutely unsafe in America, and it sucks, and I don't know what to do about it, honestly. I'm just being totally open with you. I don't know what to do. I did my job. I voted, and I told everyone else to vote, and I donated money I didn't fucking have <laughs> to campaigns. Um of people who said that they would never let something like this happen to me. So when the people we voted into office tell us, Hey, your rights have been stripped away and you need to vote and vote hard. It makes me a fucking rage because I did that. I did my part and now they aren't doing theirs. So what do we do? And I guess I just wanted to leave you knowing that I'm right there with you. I don't know. What to do, and I don't know where to go. But I do know how to feel, and that is rage. Just rage. Um, we should all feel rage, and you are not wrong for feeling rage. But we're um, we're going to continue putting out episodes for as long as women are allowed to produce podcasts in this country. <laughs> so um, until we can figure out what to do together. Keep listening to my voice and keep it weird.